couple of years back, a woman from MJE received a call from a matchmaker asking if she was interested in going out with a certain guy. And the woman agreed to go out with this guy and was told that she would be receiving a phone call from the gentleman within the next day or so. But it never happened, the phone call. One day, two days, three days, nothing. Impossible scenario to imagine. So knowing that I knew the guy, the woman called me, the MJ participant who had been fixed up with this guy. She called me for my advice. And I'm listening to this, and I know the guy pretty well. He's a friend. He's a student. What do I do? Do I call him, tell him what he did was wrong? I didn't want to be confrontational. Um, I knew it would probably embarrass him that he hadn't done the right thing. On the other hand, you know, if I didn't call him, if I didn't say anything, then am I being a rabbi? Am I educating him properly? It shows poor character not to call someone when you say you're going to. And he really needed to do the right thing. And I was, I was struggling because I didn't want to strain the relationship. This week's Parsha, we were introduced to the personality of Noah. And I share this story because it appears from the writings, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory, that this is something Noah himself was challenged with. Why was Noah unsuccessful at improving the generation, at saving people from the impending flood? And it has something to do, Rabbi Sachs suggests, with Noah's name. Noah means pleasant. And he was given his name, or at least it's recorded in the Torah, at the tail end of last week's Parsha, Parsha Breshit, where the Torah tells us, He will give us nechama, comfort, consolation from our work, from the toil of our hands, which comes from the ground that God had cursed. You see, after the curse of Adam, Eve, after they ate from the forbidden fruit, God made it very difficult to produce crops, to yield a produce from the ground. And Noah came along, and according to rabbinic tradition, he invented the plow. He created an implement that gave nechama, it gave comfort to a generation that was starving and that was in need of some sort of device to produce fruit from the ground. And he was heralded as a great savior, as a great inventor. He was the Alexander Bell of his generation. And according to Rabbi Sachs, that stopped, or that prevented Noach from giving the kind of musr, the kind of instruction that was necessary to get people to look at their lives and repent. And so Noach, because he didn't want to sacrifice this, this adoration that people had for him, he kept quiet. And as a result, the flood was not prevented. And this helps actually understand helps us understand this idea of, of, of doing the right thing because it's the right thing and not thinking so much, well, what are other people going to say? Are people going to still like me? This is a very, very important idea in our generation because we are all in some level, no matter what community you belong to, we all mimic or ape other people and what they do and the surrounding culture. How much of what we do is because we think it's the right thing and we're not so concerned with popularity. We're not so, so concerned with what other people think. We're just going to do it because it's the right thing. And this is a very, very powerful lesson taught in a dramatic moment after the flood. 
What happens after Noah and his family are saved from this terrible flood? Noah builds a vineyard. He gets drunk. And he's in this very uncompromising, very unflattering scene where Noah is found drunk and disrobed in his tent. And the reaction of Noah's three sons, Shem, Cham, and Yefet, very different reactions. And according to our sages, lay the groundwork for future generations. The Torah tells us that Cham did something incredibly inappropriate, but Shem and Yefet, they took a garment and they walked backwards so they would not dishonor their father by seeing him in this state, in this indignified, undignified state. And they they covered their father's nakedness with the cloth. But what was strange is the language in the Torah. In describing this act of respect, the Torah says, Vayikach Shem V'yefet. And Shem and Yefet took. But the word Vayikach is singular. You say Vayikach when it's referring to one person, but here it's two people. It's the two brothers, Shem and Yefet. It should say not Vayikach, he took, but Vayikhu, they took. It doesn't say that. And Rashi the great biblical commentator brings down the tradition that it's because shame initiated the act and Yefet only followed. And therefore, continues Rashi, shame merited the mitzvah of tzitzis, of fringes, and Yefet merited the mitzvah of kavura, of burial. Which is kind of strange. We're going to come back to that. And just a couple of verses later, the Torah tells us that Noach blesses his son, Yefet, by saying, Yaft Elohim, God should grant beauty to Yefet. And we have this tradition that whereas the Jewish people are descendants of shame, the Greek civilization emerges from Yefet. What does this all mean? Rabbi Salvechik has an incredible explanation of this. The Rav wrote, and I have this actually in a chapter in my first book called Beyond the Instant. Chapter is entitled Ethics versus Etiquette because that's the language Rabbi Salvechik used. In the words of Rav Salvechik, ethics obligate a person to do what is right and just, even if he's by himself and there are no people around who will see him to praise his actions. That's when you operate, that's when you're motivated to do something because of ethics. To the contrary, even if there are other people who will mock him for his desire to do what's right, he will still do what is right because of his strong sense of ethic. Etiquette, on the other hand, is a matter of beauty which is dependent on the input and the approval of other people. Etiquette changes from time to time, from country to country. Etiquette is something that emerges from the way in which something will appear in the eyes of other people. And so shame had the courage to do the right thing because he understood internally it was the right thing to cover the nakedness of his father. Nobody was telling him to do this. Nobody else was looking. He understood from a sense of ethics it was the right thing to do. And that's why we, the Jewish people, are descendants of shame. And we merited tzitzit. Fringes, Rabbi Soloveitchik explained, are worn beneath one's clothing, right? I'm wearing tzitzit right now, you can't see them. They reflect an inner sense of right and wrong, irrespective of what appears on the outside or what other people may say. Yefet, on the other hand, did not act because it was the right thing. He covered his father only after shame did, and therefore he gets the mitzvah of kavura, of burial. Why burial? Because the whole idea of burying someone after their soul has departed from the body, it's the, it's the epitome of etiquette. How would it look to casually discard the remains of a person after their soul has departed? And that's the blessing Noah gave, that God gave him a sense of beauty, of aesthetics, of etiquette. But ultimately, the divine presence, 
The Shekhinah only rests in the tents of shame and not Yefet. Because for God to be with us, to dwell in our midst, our actions have to be motivated by something deeper than what just looks good. It's got to be good. We have to make decisions in life which, which are based on what's right and not simply based on what is going to bring more approval. There's so many different examples, and you can think of your own personal examples right now as I share this idea. I'm going to share one story that kind of brings this out that I saw in one of the books of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, The Blessed Memory. And he tells the story of a gathering of prominent attorneys in London. And once a year, these lawyers would get together, and they have a, usually a very important speaker come to address the group. And the speaker that year, this is years ago, was Prince Charles. Prince Charles of Wales, he's now the King of England. And before the speaker came in, you know, they were being served their lunch, and there was one uh, religiously observant Jew who ordered the kosher meal. Now, any of you who've ordered like a kosher meal at one of these events, I'm always convinced there's like some guy in the back kitchen who's just adding plastic and plastic and plastic because this guy was just removing all the plastic from his double, triple, quadruple wrapped kosher meal and developing a nice little mountain of plastic. And he starts digging into his lunch with a flimsy fork that cracks in his face. And as he's eating, some other guy walks over. He says, you know, I'm also Jewish. Do you have to really make such a spectacle of yourself here? We're all, you know, we're in this beautiful, you know, a place we're hearing from the speaker. Just eat what everyone else is eating. And uh, the kosher eating Jew didn't pay much attention. He just continued with his lunch. And then Prince Charles came and gave an amazing talk. And on the way out, Prince Charles was leaving the room and he noticed all the plastic on the table. And he noticed the guy sitting beside it. And he went over and he, he said, I'm just curious, why, why didn't you eat what everyone else was eating? What's with all that? And he said, well, I, I follow uh, Kashrut, the Jewish dietary laws. And then they got into this whole conversation. Prince Charles, King Charles now said, you know, when I studied in college, I went to theology school and we studied some of the Jewish dietary laws. It's fascinating. Like for 10, 15 minutes, I'm having this great schmooze. And then the other Jewish guy, who had been critical before, of course, wanted to get in on the conversation. It's Prince Charles. So he walked in and he kind of nudged his way in. He says, you know, I'm also Jewish. And Prince Charles turned to him and he said, and where's your kosher meal? <laughs> and from that, Rabbi Sachs derived, and he used to say this many times, that Jews who are proud of their Judaism will inspire pride in other non-Jews. And Jews who are embarrassed or ashamed of their Judaism will probably inspire that kind of sentiment in other people as well. We should try as much as we possibly can to act, not simply because that's what everyone else is doing, what everyone else is saying. We know deep down, and if we don't know, we've got the Torah to help guide us, to teach us what is right, what is wrong, what to do, what to try to stay away from, and to, to not care so much by what other people think. And this is difficult. I always choose to speak about things that I personally struggle with. And this is very autobiographical. I'm very, uh, I have a heightened sense of what other people are thinking and saying. And social media, which is how I'm coming to you right now, <laughs> has not helped. It's only magnified this issue. But I think it's an important lesson for us all to internalize, right? To gain other people's approval, to win the day, right? Okay etiquette, but to gain respect, ethics. Having other people approve our actions make, make us feel a little better in the short term, 
But real happiness is achieved when we know that what we're doing is the right thing. And only God, of course, can know the proper path in any situation, which is why we try to consult the Torah when we're making decisions so we're not making really important life decisions simply because that's what everyone else is saying and doing. And we know that we should try as much as we can, not simple, to not look around horizontally, see what everyone else is saying or thinking or doing, to start looking up when making important decisions. Those choices may not always make us more popular with other people, but if they are informed by something from above, by a force greater than ourselves, then we will doubt bring us, bring ourselves and our community much greater meaning and fulfillment and ultimately act and go through our lives, not simply in a way that's pleasing aesthetically or that reflects etiquette, but ultimately ethics. Thank you for listening.